Welcome to another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal Harrington and Marianne Riley. All right, we are now. Yes, it is. All right, this is another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal and Marianne. Hello, everybody. Hey. <laughs> we are now we are now live on the Facebooks. Yay! Awesome, man. Welcome, everybody. Uh, today is uh, J- January seventeenth. Twenty. Is, can, can we officially say it's twenty twenty one, or do we have to wait till our new president is in before we could officially say twenty twenty one? Okay. Technically, I think it's, it's we're okay. <laughs> Say 2021, but we can't say that the apocalypse has been averted until after the new president's been. Oh, okay. Our savior, our savior, (laughs) our savior Biden. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Today we have a very special guest, um, a very funny uh, comedian from the big, great city of Bellingham, Washington. (laughs) 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 Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the very hilarious Nikki Kilpatrick. Yay, welcome. Thank you. Welcome hey, people clapping. Hi, nice to be here. Yes. Uh, Nikki, how long have you been a comedian? Um, Just about three years now. Okay, is it Not everything long. Is it everything you dreamed it would be? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be, br- br- see, I, I like brevity, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> okay. Low yeah. expectations, Jamal. She has low ex- expectations then. That's oh, me. <laughs> as you should. No, you're right to have those low expectations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Marianne, how long have you been doing comedy? Oh, God. I started in about 16 years, 15, 16 years. Okay. Yeah. Marianne has stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely, Marianne has uh, have stories. I've uh, yeah. come September seventeenth. Uh, I will be doing it for ten years, and I'm not gonna lie. I don't think I've ever had a job that long, which says a lot about my exactly. resume. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you know. I, yeah. Uh, is it everything I've ever dreamt of? Yes, and then some. Uh, I always tell people like, whenever I'm asked, like, hey, you know. I think about being a comic. What should I do? And I tell them, go to college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be, a doctor, be a doctor. Don't disappoint your parents. <laughs> uh, just... Actually, though, in, in all honesty, though, I tell people, if you really, truly want to be a comic, go get a business degree. Because most people go into comedy. It's one thing if this is a hobby. But if yeah. this is something that you actually ever want to make money at and actually be able to um, have a, a modicum of success, learn how to be a business person first because you are your own business and that is something that a lot of people i wish somebody would tell them to me when i first good advice yeah yeah if i if i'd have thought about if i'd have looked at it that way and looked at it more in a business aspect because you know let's not be honest all of us get on stage because we're stage horse and we're all about oh you got a oh well i'll come do 20 minutes for you for free you know (laughs) and one of my dear mentors told me one time he said marianne free has no value Mm-hmm. free has no value and if you are trying to do things for free they don't value you they yeah. don't if you're trying to give a whether it's in a business world where you're trying to give advice or you're trying to be like a consultant or if you're trying to do anything free has no value oh, they no. don't they don't same thing with how many times you go to a, a free show and it's just a, horrible they're just you you just have to they're unruly and you're trying to control them 
as opposed to like going to a comedy club and the audience is very well behaved for the most part because why they paid to be there yeah and so they're going to get their money worth it. and they get mad if somebody else is interrupting the show because they, hey they i paid, paid for this and you're yeah. fucking it up for me yeah I, no. I feel like when we're doing comedy in bars and stuff that aren't clubs we're inflicting it on people <laughs> kind of you know i mean there's some people that want to be there but right a lot of people they'd show up and they didn't right. know it was a comedy well, night you know, and yeah. I, I tell i tell yeah yeah and, and that's just it though it's just, like i tell them you're ear raping them they didn't come for that they're there to get drunk to get laid to play pool to play darts and you're fucking up their game you know whether it's for a half an hour an hour and a half two hour show they don't care you're fucking up their agenda you yeah. know and so they're wanting to talk to that hot chick at the end of the bar and buy her drinks and get loud and hot chick oftentimes it's hot chick like hey i paid money to look good to be here everybody should be paying attention to me hello <laughs> i'm here can you see me i'm hot why are you listening to that stupid fucking comic i'm hot you should be watching me and nine times out of ten they're not even that good <laughs> they're not even that you know, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, and, and the thing is, I'm one of those comics on that lineup, mind you, <laughs> at yeah. a free show. So sometimes I'll look at the place and I'll be like, wow, I'd much rather be talking to like her. And then I would think to myself, well, maybe if I'm funny enough, she might talk to me afterwards. So, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, maybe she'll come up to me and just be like, oh my God, that one joke you told about that, you know, insert so obscure. Yeah. <laughs> but no, right. it, it's funny that you say that because I've always like told producers, like, you know, free shows tells you the value of the show. Like, that means you're, you're not paying anybody or yeah. unless you have a deal with the venue. Yeah. But yeah. At the same time. Well, I, I've always said that if you put a, 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 an amount, like a, a cover price on your, you know, if you put in a, a, a cover, it, it shows the value of the show. Even $5. Even five, if, yeah, you know, even it, if it is five. It's right. really weird because if you, you ask for a, a lot of different things, like um, we were, we used to do comedy, Grit City Comedy Club when it was, uh, well, and even when it was Tacoma Comedy Club when, when, previously, when it was in Malarkey's on South Tacoma Way. They had amazing food. The food was freaking divine. Most people were, wouldn't order it. There was a lot of people that, that they didn't get the food sales that they should have. The reason why? Because the prices were too cheap. And mm -hmm. people go, look, if they're in a bar and the, the prices are this cheap, they feel like it can't be good, good food. If you want to increase your revenue, increase the prices. So people will think, oh God, this must be good. You have a, a prime rib for... 12 bucks they're gonna be like oh what's wrong with it same prime mm -hmm. rib you charge 25 bucks i'm like hell oh my god this is the best fucking prime rib i've ever eaten right that is that same thing and you know like if you if you don't have a price tag on something people assume that it's worth you know you get what you pay for yeah right. the, the show that i produce that we have been able to do since the the covid is at a brewery and and like jamal said it's free but the the venue pays me to pay the comics and right. we get that room so packed and we, you know, get the, it, it's just, it's worth it for them. They like it. They like having a full room. You know, they love their comedy oh, yeah. lovers. So I think you can, you can spin it, but we're in a small town and we're unique. I mean, not everybody else is doing that, you know? So there's no, that. I, I, I kind of disagree though. That's not true. Cause that, that, that works with other rooms too, because the reason why is even the, here's, you did prove the point. The owners of the, the brewery are paying you guys, which yeah. means they're going, they have an investment 
and making sure that the show goes well for the rest of the yep. crowd, the rest of the audience, because those people are buying beers. If you got somebody who comes in who's unruly, they're not going to say, oh, well, I'm getting, you know, they're so-and-so and it's okay. They're, they're going to go, you got to bounce, dude. Come back from the, you can't behave for the comedy show. You need to go. They have it because you've partnered up with them. They yeah, have yeah. a investment in it as well. And that, right. therefore they're going to, ha- they're not going to be as upset. Like I literally, I had a show one time and it was, it was, the show itself wasn't bad. And um, the horrible thing was, is it, I almost quit comedy. Uh, it was a couple of years mm. ago. I almost quit comedy because of how, how it ended up. Um, I was headlining the show and it was going really well except for we had like my host it, they were giving her a hard time right from the beginning and she was like she was like hey guys in the back you know i get that you guys are having a conversation but there's other places you guys can go set you guys are being so loud that the rest of the crowd audience can't hear me and i you know and i'm i'm a professional i'm being paid to be here okay so can you guys i'm not telling you to stop talking just keep it down in the back and then they got louder. And then, you know, this was all within her first 10 minutes up there. And she finally said, hey, look, one, two, three, fuck you. Shut the fuck up or get out. <laughs> and then, right. and we had a new a girl that was her first time getting, being a paid gag. And I had her on there. And they, she had brought 15 people with her. And they were really well. And it was the people behind this were getting really loud. And so it, they, I was standing back there when she was up there because i was concerned that these people were going to get loud and i went back there and they started getting really loud and i was like i just kind of went through and i said hey guys can you just keep it down a little bit mm-hmm. and had that been a guy they would have responded different but the fact that mm-hmm. i was a female they're like fuck yeah. you yeah so then when i got up on stage they're like the one couple stood up and they said oh you thought we were fucking loud before you can't watch this uh, and I'm like, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> right for real uh, and I'm looking around, waiting for the the freaking uh, bar manager to come get this under control. Nowhere to be found. Crickets. No. He was hiding. Yeah. You got to have that venue support, right? In all and the I, aspects. Yeah. yeah. And I just told him, I said, stop. We're not going to do this. I said, you know what? I'm a professional. I'm not going to put up your bullshit. I said, you have one, one or two choices. You either sit, shut up and sit down and watch the show or, or pay your bill. Get the fuck out. Yeah. I said, but there's other people that are paid to be here. And this is a paid show. So I'm going to continue to do my set, okay? Well, they got this stuff and they left. And that's like, because like I said, we brought like 20 people. There was maybe 30 people in the whole place. We brought film fun. I was finally, I was just kind of power through it and I was just getting ready to do my final wrap up, do my final punchline. And the guys in the back got really fucking loud again. They got really fucking loud. So me, like I, I do this and it seems to work for me. And I walked over to with my microphone because I was able to get that over there. And I stood between them. I got at their table like, hi guys, what are we talking about? <laughs> they're like, oh, uh, okay, girl. And I'm like, wow, that's, that tonight? Am I invited? Yeah. And they're like, no, it was a well, oh, okay. I said, but you know what is going on tonight? Comedy show. I said, yeah. So how about you give me a listen for a few minutes? I'm almost done, right? And I- was turning around and I turned around and walked off. The bar manager killed my microphone, walked over to me. The DJ started playing music. The bar manager walked over, took my microphone and says, you're fucking done. Get out. Oh, yikes. Damn. And I was like, it's fucked up. What? I was like, what the fuck? He goes, I'm not going to have you run off all my customers. Oh. What? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it just was really, it got ugly. And I was like, you know what? We're done here. We're you almost quit here. over that, you said. Yeah, but it was something that I was like, I really, it really affected me. So I was like, what the fuck? This is like, a, I've done this at other shows before and it's been really it really mm-hmm. usually calms them because it gets them back interested. Like, what do you yeah, say? It's, like, a, it's, I, I, it's interesting. I've never seen anybody do like get like that much crowd work on a heckler or getting somebody to be quiet. You know, that's good. Yeah, and, so, and it's worked with me before where I, one or two things happens. They either sit down and they listen to hear what you have to say or they get embarrassed and walk away. Either way, they, it shuts them up, right? And mm-hmm. so, and you have to be, when you have to be um, pretty like, uh confidence in how you walk yeah, up to them yeah, to be yeah. able to like really get in their face so i mean yeah, my, um, mind you it's a bar anything can happen you know it's not like it's a theater where it's like you know a classy exactly show up, and, well dressed and you know it's like a fine arts thing um well, no, but, the, but the thing is like you, we've performed at many bars i mean whenever i see like a tavern bar uh whatever i know that oh this could end in so many ways badly, yes. you know? <laughs> I, I always, like, uh, if I'm driving to the venue, I think about, okay, these are the jokes that I'm going to do, and then I always keep in mind the venue. It's a bar. People are going to get drunk. Are people going to be playing pool? Um, what games are going on? Is college football going on while I'm going to be yep. performing? Are you going to have the TVs on? So I never, and all these questions get answered the very moment I set foot into this venue. Oh, the jukebox is going on. There's people playing pool. There's not a, there's only like maybe five people that actually thinks a comedy show is going on. Yeah. Everybody else is oblivious. I, I, yeah. I look at I look at things like where like are where's the poster for the shows? And nine times out of ten, it's in the bathroom. And it's like, okay. Um, yeah. but but every time I go to the bathroom, I'm drunk and I'm just and I don't remember any of the shit that I read. Yeah. Except for that one person's phone number, like if you want a blowjob at a certain time, you call that number. Um, yeah. But aside from that, I don't remember the posters and, and all that. So I, I always look at, I always keep in mind of things like that. And then, of course, during the show, I always see how the host carries himself because he's the one that's taking a bullet for all of us. And, and at the same time, it's like, okay, who's drunk? Who's talking? Who's keeping it at a minimum? Oh, the pool game is still going on. Okay, so God yeah. forbid they, they don't shut that down. Um, and, and, and people that are coming in during the show, they have no idea there's a show going on. So, of course, they're going to talk loud. And, you know, and, and so bar rooms are very risky because, yes, mm-hmm. like you just said, Marianne, people go there to drink, talk to that hot girl across the bar. You know, they don't expect to be quiet at a bar for yeah. 90 yeah. minutes. You know what I'm saying? I can't remember the last time I went to a bar pre-pandemic and I just sat there and just shut the hell up the whole time. <laughs> Never done it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Never put money in a jukebox while I'm at a bar or something like that. So it's just like people go to bars with the expectation of just being silly, just letting loose, you know? Mm-hmm. And unless right. and unless that this comedy, I mean, this this bar has a reputation of having comedy and people know, oh, they do comedy there Tuesday nights. So yeah, we go. Yeah. you can always go to any of the other nights. But yeah, it's, it's all about just like knowing and planning and, you know, just being like, I'm going to throw caution into the wind and hope that I don't get beat up at the end of the show. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing is so true. The other problem is, is that a lot of times when these shows are put set up, the person who's setting it up is typically 
newer to the game. Yeah. And this is a way, and, and, and I'm not telling them, this is one of the things that they do to get stage time. They set up shows and that way, you know, and they haven't been mentored on how to set up a show. They haven't been mentored how to work with the club and talk mm-hmm. to the management on yeah. how to set up a bar, how to set up chairs, how to set up seating, how to notify people that there's even going to be a show there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is where I'm saying it's the business aspect. And that's the business side of the funny business. And a lot of people don't look at that side because they haven't been mentored. And and more so, I'm going to tell you straight now, uh, it's a lot harder in my limited experience, take take it for what it is, for women. It is a lot harder because we have a different competitive side than men. And so we're not able to partner up as well. And, you know, the thing is, though, is I can say as an older female, and this isn't just in, in comedy, but in the business world in general, where I've, I've especially now that I'm old, uh, that I've looked at is like, hey, I want to be able to mentor people. I want to be able because I'm a strong believer that the reason why women have a glass ceiling is because of other women, right? We we step on their, oh, you're coming up the ladder? Not if I can help. And they kind of like that, <laughs> that hill to the face type thing and step on the head like, fuck you, bitch. You're not coming yeah. up my ladder. I, I worked so hard to get here. Instead of reaching out and saying, hey, you know what? It doesn't take anything away from me. Let me show you some of the different ropes. Yeah. And as I got older, I realized, hey, you know what? It's okay to help other other women. That's how we're going to succeed. And mm-hmm. so when I started doing that, then I got fucked over and knifed in the back by some little bitch. And I'm like, for real, for real, I was mm. trying to help you. And you in turn return the favor by stabbing me. Okay, gotcha. Mm. Okay, I'll mind my own business then. And and I've learned how to like throw out a little pearls of wisdom. And if somebody grabs it and starts asking. Yeah more questions then i'll waste i'll spend time with them otherwise i'm not gonna waste my time mm-hmm. you know and that's just one of those things in the world in general you know so I, but getting back to my point because a lot of these newer comics are so busy and some of them come in real cocky i can think of a few people that i remember came in real cocky oh yeah we're gonna turn to comic comedy we're gonna turn the pacific Northern comedy scene on their ass they've never seen comedy before and we're like mm-hmm. <laughs> come see us after you've been in this game for five years otherwise <laughs> shut up you know because so many of you guys come up hot and heavy and breathing fire you're gonna be here forever we're gonna turn it on we're gonna be on jay leonard <laughs> next week and we're like mm-hmm. yeah. why because come flying up and fall by the wayside fall by the wayside fight because you have to be tenacious you have to you have to have a certain amount be a certain amount of masochistic to be able to be doing this <laughs> yeah, that's this, a good way this, to describe it for any length of time it's yeah hard. i am um... Uh, Todd and I were talking about earlier about the scene in Bellingham. Yeah, it's a you small, have to like, small city. Oh, we'll to the face. Thank you. Small, small city in yeah. Bellingham. And so we have, um, we as a group of comedians are pretty tight. We're pretty, you know, there isn't a lot of infighting. And then beyond that, we've got a girl gang. Mm-hmm. We got a group that's just for the ladies mm-hmm. and we are tight. And there, we've really cultivated that anytime of, uh, uh, another woman comes into the scene, we reach out to her and we're like, Hey, keep, we encourage her and, um awesome. very very lucky here in Bellingham but again it's small it's easy to you know easy to communicate when you have fewer people right. to communicate with you know so it's like a, kind of like uh, and I think that that's starting to change I've seen things like that I know I talk about my girl Shani um so Shani when I first started she'd been doing it for about a year longer than I have and she used to tell me about 
back in the day. So I started out at Tacoma Comedy Club in Tacoma, or the the Comedy Underground in Tacoma. Sorry, the Comedy Underground in Tacoma, which is no longer. I mean, now it's the, the bars been turned into an office of some sort. It's been forever mm-hmm. ago. And there we used to have the beef between the Tacoma Comedy Underground and the Seattle Comedy Underground. Like the the Seattle comics would roll in every once in a while in front of Mike, and we'd be all looking at them like, mm. so Seattle's gonna try and tell us what it's like to do comedy. And then we would go there, and they were like, oh, Tacoma. You decided to come out of the slums for a while. I mean, there was that real beef between the two yeah. clubs, but it was more so. It was strange. Like on the female side, they used to have what they call the Ha Ha Sisterhood, mm, and nice. so they would do like a, a, it was an open mic for women, predominantly for women. And it was the bizarrest thing ever. You would go in there, like most time that you go to an open mic in the in the clubs, and they were all sitting in the green room, and everybody was chit chatting and bullshitting back in back in the day when I started. And or they would all kind of grouping together, right? But when it was the haha sister, you go, and they're not one single female with the next to each other, and none of them talked to each other. Mm. It was so bizarre, mm. you know. And I started seeing a, a change. One of the, the female comics that I, I saw that made a huge impact on that was um, Jen Sanderson. She's or She used to be Jen Seaman when she started, but now it's Jen Sanderson. And she's now in LA. But she used to do like the Ladies of Comedy luncheon. And we would invite people from Portland, nice. all the females in the Pacific Northwest to come up, have a really huge, just a brunch, get all the females non-competitive. We were, we no mics, no jokes. We were all just sitting down. We all brought, like we had, this huge potluck and we all would hang out and just bullshit and drink and have a great time. It was a lot of fun. And it started like opening some different doors and some different avenues. And, and there's already more women centric comedy happening that there's a lot more females than people think there are. Yeah. 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 And being an older female, cause I didn't start doing comedy. Well, I'm, fi- I'm, I'm going to be 51 in just a couple of weeks here. So I didn't, you started doing comedy. Oh, late yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and then there's that, but in a way, yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like I, it gave me a niche. Like right away, I was like getting asked because it's a small pool in Bellingham of comics to draw from. Yes. But I feel like right away I was getting booked on things locally yeah. because especially uh, where there was going to be an older crowd, like if it was a benefit show or anything with like an older, there might be an older crowd. So I kind of feel like I <laughs> maybe, you know, f- found a little niche there, which yeah, okay, well, that's fine. Get me booked. But yeah, yeah. I think that I think so. I'm. I turned fifty-one in September. So yeah, I'm. I'm on the same aspect. I'm a. I'm. But my problem is, is that I don't. And I joke about it. I don't look my age, right? I don't look my age at all. And that's not something that I say. Like, oh, I'm just stroking my ego. I mean, I. I don't look my age. Um. I usually like. I get hit on by guy. I, I think the last time it was so cute. It took me ten minutes and Google Translate to figure out this kid was hitting on me because he was asking me to <laughs> dinner in a disco. <laughs> dinner in a disco <laughs> and and he, he was so cute and I'm like oh my god that's so adorable I'm, I'm so flattered I said baby how old are you and he's like I'm 25 and I'm like, that's so cute I said, Honey, I'm 50. and he was like oh, a, 20, oh. <laughs> a 25 year old knows what a disco is that's insane it, that's that in Mexico that's what they call them discos I was good. Yeah. Uh, oh, going okay. dancing yeah. is what he was asking her. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing and di- dinner and dancing, but he was calling it a disco. And it was so cute. I was like trying to Google, I was Google translating. I was working, I guess I work in construction. 
and, and so I was looking it up and we were like, Google, what? How does this have anything to do with safety? Do you have a safety issue? No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was it was adorably cute. <laughs> but so and just and so Nikki, just to like kind of let you know, when we refer to cousin Todd, Todd is my actual cousin. So we're the we're the babies of our family. So that's and why, you're both, that's that you're both, came. are you both yeah. in the, the Northwest right now? Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm in North Kitsap and she's in Pierce. Okay. Yeah. I'm in Pierce County. So, so Jamal's the only one who's on the other side of the country. Yeah. He's, okay. he's three, three hours ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And Jamal and I, Jamal and I were roommates. So yeah, we, my, where I live here in, in Spanaway, we were, that was yeah. a long time ago, huh? Oh yeah. But dating ourselves yeah. i mean but yeah it's been it's been um an interesting interest so how would nikki how would you describe yourself as a comedian you were talking about you get an um, older niche a uh, lot of i guess one-liners ob- observational humor i i'm i'm new so i'm not a storyteller yet haven't gotten there because for the primarily most of my sets that i perform at the most are 30 minutes at the very most so mm-hmm. far so I'm, and especially I'm doing a lot of doing a lot of five, 10, 15 minutes, these kind of sets. I'm going for maximum laughter. And my humor is still new. So it's a lot of, it's not as good as what I wanted to be yet. It's It's a lot of of one liners and kind of, you know, dad jokes without meaning to be dad jokes, lots of play on Uh more, maybe some observational stuff a little bit, but, uh, I would describe my comedy as still seeking my voice. Is <laughs> what is how I would. No, how I, I was gonna say, and, and that's basically what when you're doing it for you know for three years, that's you know you're spending that time trying to find your voice and you know establish yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you know, there's nothing wrong with a little humility when you're uh, you know when you're three years in, you know, like hey, I'm trying to find my voice, I'm trying to be good, I'm, yeah. you know, so. It, it takes a little bit of time, but the, the 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 rewarding part about it is is you'll know if if I mean you'll know whether this is a hobby or this is a business depending on how serious and how driven you are about it. Right. You'll know at your yeah. five year mark. You'll be like, oh, you know what? I I can't, five years in the game. I survived all this. I think I could do another five, and you know, see uh see where this goes. It's a it's a great adventure. I'll I'll tell you that for sure. It's a really oh, yeah great, yeah. Uh, it's a great yeah. Ride. In fact, I, I think s- when when oh, you and Marianne were I'm sorry, to say when you and Marianne were roommates, that's when I tried my hand at, at at comedy. I didn't do very well at it, so I transitioned into podcasting. Mm. So. Well, I think a lot of it was just the expectations, and unfortunately, time, and that's where he was way wrong. Because most, you know, a lot of comics are assholes and dicks, and they're narcissistic and they're self-absorbed and that's kind of i mean you kind of have to be a little bit narcissistic and a little bit of a self-absorbed hey i know when you're taking a jab at me marianne (laughs) i think she i think she was talking about all that sounded like a all that sounded like a direct jab at me because i'm all those things (laughs) oh well i forgot to add um very egotistical did I, oh, I forgot that part. That that's guilty. directly to you because guilty. I used to say to Jamal all the time. I said, "Hold on, hold on. 
give me a second. I got to step back. I need to make some more room for your ego. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like my, but I say it with love because yeah. that's part of his, his charming personality. Oh man. Like, I, and the thing is, it's like, and like Marietta is like the only person that I would allow. Cause she's bet she's like, you know, my comedy mom, you know? And then like, cause we, we, we do, we've done a lot of shows together and uh, oh, but a lot of fun shows. And it's just like, I know how I can be. And when, and the fact that Marianne points it out, it's like, okay, maybe I should, maybe she's right. Maybe I should be a bit more humbled. And then like, after I crush a show, it's like, you know what? Um, let's, I, we like us. <laughs> we like the way we are. You know what? Uh, me, this, this, this me works, but no, there's been times where I've just been, I, I'll, because it's just like, the, the reason why I think I am that way. And I was, and I was talking to another comedian about that. They're like, why do you think we're so like full of our own shit? And it's like, because we took a lot of shit. That's why. And there's not a single open micer that could come up to me and tell me anything. You know, I don't sit at your table. I don't hang out with you. Uh, no, I'm not gonna, you know, put you on a show after a month in. Like, that's not how <laughs> yeah. this works. You, yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, like, like no, I've, I still have people since uh, I'm now doing the Jamco comedy show, Zoom shows. Um, and, and no disrespect to a lot of the comedians that, you know, send me their tapes when I don't ask for it. But um, like I have, like, I, I, I've never watched a video unsolicited that somebody sent me. I'm like, I'll use it. I'll send me a video and I'll, I'll take a look at it. But I'll have people send me videos and it's like, I'm not, I got things to do. I'm not going to watch your videos. I'm not yeah. going to watch your eight minute video when you did two months of stand-up comedy. I already know what it's going to be. It's just you yeah. talking about how you can't get laid and your dog. I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, that's what Marianne was talking about, the business side of show business, right? There's a way to work yourself as a comedian. I mean, you got promoting yourself. But like you were saying, um, I, I had started producing some shows. Uh, I co-producing right away when I started yeah. doing stand-up. I, I would watch the producers and watch them set up rooms. And I was like, that looks cool. So I, I uh, do you know Lee Cox? He's a Portland. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, Lee and I, um, he was going to take over a show. And I said, would you like some help? And he said, yes. And I just gleaned as much as I could from him. Um, and then that show never took off. We lost our sponsor. It was a weed shop. It just never, oh. nothing happened. Then Lee moved yeah. to Portland. And then I started co-producing with some of the other girls. We did girl, girl game productions, had some great shows, learned some stuff, gleaned as much as I could. And then went to a brew, went to Stemma Brewing and said, hey, can I produce a show here? And then just I'm always asking for advice from people like Randall Ragsdale and, yeah. you know, tapping into my community knowledge. But these these comics that like come up, you've never seen them before. And they come up to you at a show as a producer and they'll say, slip you a phone number and say, hey, can you get me on the next show? And you're like, <laughs> no, <laughs> like I've, I've been, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, as a producer, I get I'm very picky on on who I book. I'm yes, super yeah. picky because the thing is, it's like, you know, this is my baby. This is my, like, it's my reputation on the line. So the only way that I would be disappointed on my own show is if I book just the wrong people. And yes, I have done that before, but for yeah. the most part, I, I book people that could overshadow, you know, it's, it's a balancing aspect. I'm like, okay, if I put this person on, who can I put on to compliment the fact that in case yeah. they forget this person, they can remember this person. But yeah. the thing about, producing shows is i mean let's face it when i was in seattle everybody and their grandmother was producing shows and it was like you guys know nothing about producing you guys are just doing it so you could be like you like you said there and we're all stage whores so you could have a place to you know a soapbox to just 
you know, some, yeah. your opinion and then put your untalented friends on as well. And then yeah, what yeah. ends up happening is people see the value, whether it's high or low, most of the time it's low. Um, and then the bars are like, you know what? Not only are the shows bad, but you're giving us a bad reputation too. Yeah. We're going to have <laughs> yes, to cut your yes. show. And then that's a bridge that gets burnt because even when the next person goes there and say, hey, I could do a better uh, job yeah. at it. They're afraid to do it because they already saw the person that told them practically the same thing. Oh, I could produce a comedy show. Um, and, yeah. and, and, it, and it just gets ruined. And then what happens is you see fewer bar rooms and fewer shows uh, of people wanting to do comedy because they didn't mm-hmm. have the right people in there. They didn't have the right people with the, it's the, to them, it's not a business mentality because as soon as you give a new comedian a room, the only thing that they think about is, oh, I'm going to do it for free. So a lot of people could come see me and it's like, yeah, but you're going to be broke and you're, the people that you book are going to be broke. And that's a very terrible business aspect. That's well, a very terrible business concept. Plus the people, the only the people who are giving you free comedy are typically the ones that are brand new and they don't have the material. They don't have the experience to be able to hold a room. When I see somebody who has been doing comedy, well, I've been doing comedy for two years. And I'm a headliner. No, you're not, sweetie. You're, you're are, lying to yourself. Those are because my favorite Because that's something I know. And, but the thing is, though, is, is you cannot, you cannot get the experience to be a professional in two years for the most part. I'm, I'm going to say there's always some exceptions. There are always is. However, in any kind of business, it takes 10,000 hours to become a, an expert in yeah. anything you're doing. So yeah. how, and, that, and at 40 hours a week, that's t- five years. So how much longer does that take with comedy? You have to be, if you're not getting on stage as a professional, three times a week, you get out of practice. You have to have that muscle. You have to be able to be sharp and you have to be on that. And that takes minimum three times a week, Mm -hmm. getting on stage, getting in, you know, and being able to be comfortable because it's so easy to, to get out of, out of, out of practice. Like I had, I got, I had a dream last night. I had a dream that I was getting ready to get on stage and I'm so excited. I, I couldn't wait. Like this big show was coming up and I was like, fe- I, and I was featuring from, I don't even remember who it was. I just knew that it was some huge headliner that I was excited as hell to be working with. And I was like, oh shit, what jokes am I going to tell? Fuck, where are all my joke books? I haven't been on stage. <laughs> Where's, you know, I started getting like panic attack. Where's my joke books? Where's all my notes? Where's all my, oh my God, what am I going to say? Okay, okay, here, I'm going to do this one because that's on my standby and I can just jump right in and I get right back in the pocket. It's the easiest one to do. And that's one of the things that I've told a lot of comics that I've worked with that, and, and I appreciate the fact that they do new material all the time. And that's great. However, however, have at least a solid five minute bit have no matter what have a solid five minute bit that you know inside and out the reason why and this is just my opinion take it for what it is it's my opinion but if you life interrupt us and people get off stage i don't know like during the freaking pandemic or something and nobody gets on stage for every year and so nobody remembers their shit it's going to be, it's like starting, and, and this is from somebody who's had to start over several times because life is interrupted. And so when you get back on stage, have something that you're comfortable with, because it's going to be weird. When the first, I, I, when I, I coach a lot of newer comics and I tell them that first few times when you're on stage, the first, the first 500 times don't count. I got news for you. It doesn't count because you're still trying to find your voice. You're still trying to find 
being comfortable trying to get in the pocket and just being able to get on that stage. And it gets to that point where when you're more comfortable being on stage than anywhere else in your life, that's mm-hmm. when, okay, now I'm in the pocket. This is what it feels like. And when and it's so comfortable to be up there that that feels like home. Like, so not being on stage is uncomfortable. And it, it start, you start getting really irritated. Like my kids, when they were younger, they used to, like, I start getting really super bitchy. And they're like, mom, when was the last time you were on stage? Like, I don't know. It's been a month and a half. Like, maybe you need to get on stage because yes. you're kind of bitchy. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. No, I know the feeling. I get very, very aggravated. Some, I mean, sometimes I'll just be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take a week off because I need to like take some time to decompress and then like write mm-hmm. some new stuff. And then like, it's when I write like this new joke that I think is funny. I can't wait to get back on stage yeah. and just try it out. Like that's like the best, that's when like the best feelings of comedy is when you come up with a new joke that you know is going to work, even if it doesn't work the first time. But you know, that's the cool thing about, you know, our business. Like you could fail. Like case in point, uh, I live in New York and pre pandemic, we have, open mics all over the city like mm-hmm. 10 open mics a day sometimes like it's that many you could you know open mics usually we have like a 1 8 1 p.m open mic all the way down to like midnight or whatever depending on what your you know what your work schedule is like but um i when i when i when i moved back here and i i did i remember i did uh four open mics in one night and i yeah. i and uh, it, it, was, it was just great, you know, me doing a show, hopping on a train, going here, going mm-hmm. here. And you have to kind of map it out because I'm like, towards the end, I want to be near home. You know, I don't want to be like so yeah. far uptown. So I did four and I had uh, these new jokes that I wanted to try in between like sets that, I, uh, in between jokes that I knew that was going to work. So the, I wrote three new jokes and each of these rooms, sometimes they could be like three to five minutes. So worst case scenario, I just do those three jokes. But so I, I did the same joke in the same format four times that night for the most part and Mm -hmm. the first two shows horrible bad you know (laughs) i i to a point where i was like fuck do i even want to go to the third open mic (laughs) like do i even bother go but i was already committed and like when you go up and you do like the audience is not well what you the audience i don't know if you could legally call it an audience but um when they don't really when they're not feeling you it's like okay what's going on so I, i'm on a train i'm feeling like damn let me see if i could tweak this up a little bit maybe mm-hmm. i should throw in this joke whatever but then the third spot that i went to the jokes was received better it was a better audience it was actually at a a, a, a venue that actually you know does comedy so i was like okay cool and then i went to the final spot and it was a room full of comics which scares me to death um yeah. <laughs> and the, the funny thing about this particular room was five of the comics that was at this room was at the first show that i bombed in <laughs> oh, wow so they looked they i could tell they were looking at me like oh my god this guy came here like this guy this guy's good why is he here and then i did that same set and everybody was laughing like mm. surprisingly the again all comics they were laughing and I was like, wow, that was fucking, that was like a weird night, you know, cause I ended up strong in a different room, different environment. And it's, that's just the, the, the nature of the business. You gotta like believe in your jokes. You gotta treat your jokes like the stock market. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> oh, this, <laughs> nice, you know, nice. you gotta, you gotta, 
you got you got you got to believe in your jokes, you know. And sometimes, you know, I'll just throw in one of those bad open mic jokes just to see if it'll work, and I'll be like, okay, that will be the darkest and like low point of the of the set, and I'll know it. But yeah, it's 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 you got to really you just got to really stay at it, you know. Like a lot of like if that I think if I was a new comedian and those the two first rooms didn't work, I would have probably thrown away those jokes and just been like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to throw caution in. I'm just going to start doing the shit that works. But then that way, the problem is you're not really growing. And that's why I like to do new jokes yeah. that have never been tried before because the goal is to try to show that you have growth. You know, sometimes I don't like hosting Jam Girl comedy series all the time because there's times where I'm not writing or I am writing, but the jokes are not ready to be, you know, brought out into the world like that you know so mm -hmm. sometimes i'll get somebody who could host because you know the the jamco show is not really about me it's never been about me it's about putting together a good show for the people who are the fans of the show who are coming i don't care if i don't ever get up on stage on a jamco comedy series as long as i peek through the curtain and i see a bunch of people out there laughing that's all i care about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so uh, i have never you know, doubled it for you're talking sets about. of the night that's impressive that's impressive. Four sets in a night. <laughs> oh, I, well, I'm just, I'm just in a bigger city. I don't think it has exactly. Yeah. To do with, yeah. I'm yeah. just, you know, the, the most I've literally it's a little hard only, to do that up here. Yeah. yeah in Seattle. I mean, the most yeah. I've done is, you know, I've double dipped a few times, but you, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no chance for that in Bellingham. Yeah. You know, I, and so one of the things that I did when I was trying comedy, I did my first open mic at the Seattle underground, uh, underground comedy, whatever it's called. And then Marianne and those guys are like, we should go over to this place next. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you, like on Mondays, you go to the yeah. Comedy Underground, and depending on where you're at, you could drive down to the local 907, do your oh, set. Rented, yeah. Yeah, so. There was, you know, there was another one that you could do, the one that Hennigan and Travis Simmons did, so you could go do that one and then go to the 907. So you could triple dip. And it was... You know, it, and it takes a lot. I mean, you have to be able to, you know, get some sleep the next day and not have to be up the butt crack of dawn. Yeah. yeah. Or be young. <laughs> be young. Yes, and that too. Yeah. And not have a family and not have a job. Consume so, five Red Bulls in one evening. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I don't think I have ever seen comedy as anything other than a hobby until I started realizing <laughs> how much I loved producing. Lo I love producing. And so I see myself producing far longer than I'm getting my ass up on stage and, and writing jokes. I mean, I really enjoy it. Yeah. So I never, yeah. I never had any illusions that I would be anything other than a hobby, but um, maybe about six See? months in, I started uh, hit writing goals for myself. And I was like, Oh, I can have goals for myself. Like I can. And I think that helped me hugely to have like, oh, yeah. to have like concrete goals, but you know, I have a family, uh, a work, you know, I, working early mornings back then, you know, back in the real days. But, um, so I was, when we had that break from comedy because of the pandemic, I, I realized how unbalanced I was. I was grinding too much for myself and for the family because to even get to the small level that I got to, because everybody has a different level of how much they can grind based on their person, like their age, whatever, yeah. whatever's going on in their life that I felt like I was at my maximum level and I was only like, you know, I mean, it was so where I was at on the comedy needle was so small that I was like, I don't know if I can ever get back the needle back there again. <laughs> but uh, um, so I think for the long haul, it's producing. But it's longevity. For me. It's long. 
I think to quote Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, uh, family, religion, and friends, these are the three demons you must slay in order to be successful at business. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I th- Nikki, I think your family's holding you back. I think you need to um, think about, think about <laughs> I know, yourself. Horrible, huh? Uh, think yeah. about yourself um, and, and, and yeah. just, you know what, be like, hey, we need to have a family meeting. Um, here's my, Take it uh, off. I, Give me I, all your money. Here's my two weeks notice. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not even going to come back to my check. I'm just, my final check. I'm just going to go out and do comedy. Um, you know, I have dreams. I'm 51. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to try that. Thanks. I'm going to wait till I'm 52. I'm not getting any younger. I'm not getting any younger, y'all. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is that, you know, I think that as, as we start again, our, our goals and our visions change as we start getting a little bit older. And as we were doing this, I think the main thing is, is just to me, I'm not a comic. It's not something that I do. It's something that I am. Hmm. You know, for me to be able to make people laugh, to get on and, and on stage, even going to find a way to make people laugh. And especially if I think that there's somebody who's having a bad day, then I'm going to try and do everything I can to make them laugh to kind of help alleviate that stress and forget about it even for a few minutes. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I don't consider it something like, you know, I, I'm not here to, to meet anybody else's expectations of me. I, I, that's one of the beautiful things about our age is that I don't give a flying fuck if you like me. You know, okay. And your opinion means nothing to me because it's your opinion. It's not mine. I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to waste my time on it. It's not, I don't have time to waste on your bullshit. But like yeah. me, you hate my guts. Cool. Uh, you know, we'll see you in the next life. I'm moving on. Oh, my, I got my, shit to do. My, my and, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh, no, it is. It is when you, when you can care less about what people think. Like, there have been times where after a show, you know, somebody will come up to me and be like, oh, um, that one joke, and I'm like, stop right there, lady. Okay, Karen, stop right there. Um, <laughs> you know, how about this? The next time you see my face on a flyer, don't come to the show. <laughs> how about that? Okay, that that's it. Like, I I'll go to a movie theater and put my money down on a movie that may or may not be good. I don't walk over to the usher and say, hey, that movie was shit. I want my money back. No, no, that's not, that's not how entertainment works. Okay. It's, it's, you know, buyer beware, you know, it's like, Hey, yeah, yeah, lineup, yeah. Buyer the, beware. the lineup may change. You might hear some stuff that you're not proud of or, you know, but that that's entertainment, but don't come up to me after a show and tell me about a joke you don't like. I think Anthony Jeselnik said it best at the end of the show. And if you have something to say to me, how about this? Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. That's it. You know, you want to offer me drugs after the show? Cool. I have no issue with that. I don't do, I mean, I don't do heavy drugs, but if you want to offer me, you know, and and, and I said this like last week, I was like, uh, you're only as good as a comedian as the drugs you are offered at the end of the show. So, oh shit. So, yeah. I'm just just weed level then. I'm just weed level. Hey, at least you get that. Like, that's good. If somebody wants, Hey, hey, Nikki! Great jokes. We're gonna smoke a pound of weed over here by my. Because Honda most of my most of my humor, unfortunately, is weed based. Because I'm new, <laughs> I'm new to writing jokes, so the hey, majority the, of them are weed based. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and one of the cool perks about being a comic is, for the most part, unless you go into a weed dispensary, you never have to pay. But that's just between us. But yeah, you know, 
you don't you don't have to pay you know you're, you're good <laughs> uh, i don't get people coming up to me after after shows saying that i didn't like your joke i get very very drunk dudes coming up to me and saying slimy stuff is what i get and i keep hoping that as i get older that will stop it hasn't yet <laughs> I would like it to. Well, but, uh, you know what? It, you got to start somewhere when it comes to yeah. after show. You know, <laughs> at least at least you're getting that much. Hell, if nobody approaches Thanks. you at all, if a drunk person doesn't approach you at all, that's how you know you failed as a comedian. You know, because they don't. Even, <laughs> true. You know, true. They're, 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 I mean, if, if they're not even sober enough to walk up to you, you know, they're just like as a. I mean, as 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 a drunk person who drunk people need attention, so if they are not even gravitating. <laughs> yeah. If they're not gravitating towards you at the end of a show, then you've really lost them, and that's- I don't that's, know. I, I'd be okay with that. That is a long, teary ride home <laughs> in your car. Do you, do you think that's what happened in, at the Capitol is people just got drunk and decided, you know what, we're going to break into that building? Uh, drunk, uh, you know what? Those, drunk. Those were nut jobs. Drunk, no. Brainless, yes. Yes. Have you, guys seen, have you guys seen any of the videos of them like complaining that they're getting arrested and going to prison? It's yeah. not fair. Yeah, yeah. Those are delicious, aren't they? Those are delicious. Mr. Trump, you need to you need to pardon us. Why can't you pardon us? I can't go to jail. You told me to do this. Why am I yeah. going to jail for this? Yeah. First yeah. of all, <laughs> do not film yourself committing a fucking felony. Yeah, I'll don't live stream it either. How about yeah. that? Yeah, How that's about hilarious. that? Like, first of all, you're stupid criminals, and you deserve exactly what you get. You yeah. deserve it. Don't, don't, you don't, you don't take, you don't fucking go there bare face and just try to commit a crime. Yeah. I, I even saw a, I even saw a dude who was being dragged out in handcuffs. But I'm white. Yeah. Oh, oh really? Yeah. What about the other one? Yeah, one. the other one where he was getting arrested. And there was, a, and he's like, "You're treating me like a fucking black person." Yeah, that was from a, that video was from a few years ago. But yes, it's shocking nonetheless. I mean, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, those those are delicious videos to watch of those people that were watching them melt down because they're getting they're, they're going to federal prison. <laughs> you can you can fair. go ahead and assume that those people have never had to deal with consequences for their actions in their entire life. And I love watching people being held accountable. Yeah. <laughs> I just oh, yeah, I get yeah. off on it. It's my kink. It's, you know, I, you know, hold their it's, feet to the fire. I mean, you did a thing. You I, did I a love thing. it. I love it when they are, they're like, oh, one, one of the person responsible for the Capitol riots, we arrested him in Indiana. And I, like the places that they're arrested him at, I'm like, oh, of course you arrested him at this place or in the <laughs> yeah. South somewhere. Of course you, of course you got him yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Um, I was One of them was from Seattle. I was telling uh, Todd before we recorded the show that my aunt, she lives in uh, Richmond, Virginia. She was supposed to be here for the weekend. Mm. And um, I, I came home and my, my dad was like, yeah, your aunt wasn't able to make it. And I was like, what happened? And he was like, they're not allowing flights outside of that area. Mm -hmm. uh, no flights, no trains, no oh, buses. Shit. Checkpoints. Uh, there's, there's like checkpoints around the Washington, D.C. area. And my aunt was like, yeah, I'll be damned if I go get a rental car and drive, you know, through that nonsense. So, but it's like, the thing that I'm worried about is, you know, come Wednesday, what's going to happen as far as like the security of like, of what, of, of this country, as far as what's they're mm -hmm. going to do, what they're going to do at the inauguration. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 this is, and the thing is like, I, 
I, this is not over. Like, I don't, I don't see it. No, it's not going any time Because again, like you got, like you said, uh, Nikki, there's a lot of people out there that are just like, I mean, and again, it's that sense of entitlement. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you know, they're not, you know, this is not a Black Lives Matter rally because if it was, there'd be a bunch of dead people on the Capitol lawn. But, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's where, you know, and, and it, again, with that being said, am I right? Or, you know, am I sure? Maybe, but based on what I've seen prior riots and prior quiet demonstrations, we had a lot here in New York that ended up violent because, again, a bad apple threw a Molotov cocktail at a police, you know, cruiser and shit just broke loose or something like that. So yeah. I, I, when I saw this and, 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 and continue to see this, and again, the federal government's not playing around. They're going to make sure they catch every body that you know that is mm-hmm. on that is on the videos doing these things and you know i don't know i just think it's it's so sad and it's stupid i don't know i've read some really interesting and i've seen heard some interesting sides of what happened at the capitol about how it was unusual that usually there's there's police officers patrolling on on um horses none of them were there the day of this on this january 6th the police force itself was scaled way back when the mayor called for national guard he was told that he wasn't authorized to enact the guard um, and that it had to come from the president and so there's a lot of things that were there's the conspiracies that it was an inside job there's a lot of inside job but the known fact is that there was a lot of police officers and military who have an ex-military that have been uh, arrested that were part of that capital, mm-hmm. the Russian mm-hmm. capital, including including two police officers from Seattle. Yeah. And they're investigating the two police officers from Seattle to find out if they were actively in the process of trying to storm the capital or if they were just there protesting. If they were only protesting, they're not going to be held accountable. Well, because really? it's not illegal for them to be part of a protest. But if they were actually in the process of trying to storm the Capitol, they could prove it, then they'll be terminated. Well, were they- And that's the scary part. I guess the question would be like, were they found in the Capitol or were they just outside? I, I don't know. Okay. Don't know. Because- Don't know. They the have that, a, they're still investigating it. So they haven't I'm, released that information. Because the way that I look at it, I mean, if- Because, I mean, if they're storming the Capitol, like, I mean, if- Let's, yeah, I mean, if yeah. I was one of those people and they're storming it, I don't think I would even want to be a part of that. I'd be like, look, I'm going to stay outside where it's safe, you know, because I know there's police in there and there's security in there. And, you know, they have, I'm pretty sure they're armed too. We almost feel like, you know, so I think what it is is the people that force their way in. And again, there's like live streaming of it, video. I mean, don't take, you know, and again, these are the people that want to be, that think that, oh, we're going to be martyrs, man. We're going to, this is, you know, we're going to, we're going to be a part of history. No, you're yeah. not. Yeah, you are. You're going to be a part of history. All right. Well, well, <laughs> you're going to be on the wrong side of history on this one, but no one's going to give a shit. Well, about I'm you. just hoping that I'm just hoping some of them don't breathe. Like, I don't want, I don't want that dude. And then the, the bullhorns and oh, dancing with Karen's. Yeah. Be like, <laughs> Isn't he the one that needs like an organic meal in jail or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the guy. Yeah, no. for, religi- for religious reasons. Oh yeah. my god! If I was a prison, if I was the jail guard, I'd be, I'd be like, "Here's your French fries." That's all I'd be doing. Like, here's, here's I your mean, French- the the poor quality of prison food is a whole nother issue. Oh but- yeah. 
No, he's, come al- on. he's also known My as guy. the QAnon. Oh, are you talking about? <laughs> he's also known as the QAnon shaman. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, yeah, what I mean. Yeah. yeah, he considers himself some kind of the shaman. Yeah, it's a religious thing for him. So he's the one that's screaming. Right. Well, he's the one who's screaming that he's he he has to be released because they're not giving him they're not meeting his dietary needs. He's yeah, right. only eats organic, vegan, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I'd be like, here's your steak, here's oh, your no. burger and fries. I, I, I would I would I would force feed him French fries. I'm like, here's your organic meal, you bastard. <laughs> um, oh, you want organic? Hold on, I'll take a shit in this bucket for you. That's organic. Actual- people in jail that have actual dietary needs because of their religious beliefs that don't get it. So he shouldn't hey, either. I don't know well, what, I mean. First of all, let's start off with this. Don't break the fucking law, asshole. Yeah, and then, yeah. Yes. And then, and then expect a certain, yes, you don't, a certain. You don't, yeah. you don't get treatment because you broke a law. You, yes, you're not, you're, yes. What makes you any different from some hardened criminal, you know, charged with murder who's going to be on death row? No, but again, it's that it's that sense of entitlement. I, I actually read uh, this morning that his lawyer is coming from a place of this guy was in a cult. He was under a brainwash. Like this is the angle that I oh, think we're going to see that, that yeah. that's his defense. Yeah. So you're saying that so his lawyer is saying that he is part of, a, I guess they're calling the Trump followers a cult. Is that what or the Q&A? It looks like that's going to be their defense. Yeah. So, so basically an, ins- an insanity defense, basically, because that's all yes, I'm hearing. Yes. That's just a yeah. bullshit. Yeah, insanity exactly. Defense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just interesting. Yeah. I I I kind of laugh when I see. I I mean, the first couple times I saw videos of these people like whining and complaining about you know their rights being trampled, uh, I was just like, these are the same people that were like, why don't you just comply with the police officer, then you yes. won't be handcuffed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's a, yeah. funny how that these, these these are the same people that are saying like oh Jacob Blake was breaking the law you know um you know all these people all these black people that are getting shot by the police they were they were resisting arrest how was that any different if if that's your rhetoric then what does that say about you when you're breaking into the capitol and you get busted and yeah. and, and and you come up with some some bullshit defense and what also is kind of which is kind of sad is there's a lot of people that are trying to make it. Now here's the thing. This is inexcusable. This is highly inexcusable. There's no, there is no, you can't look at that and say, Hey, you know what? This is us taking back America. You, 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 you're not, you know, other countries are looking at us and they're just like, Oh shit. Do we even need ISIS anymore? Like if it was that easy to break into the Capitol, and they're just yeah, like, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, we should just hide in our caves and let just America destroy themselves because we're doing a good job at that, apparently, according to them. But my <laughs> thing is, you you cannot look at that and and find anything positive about it. No, you, it, if you're doing this because of Trump, he's been lying to you, and all of this is based on the lie. And you and yeah, I would say it's also brainwashed. But at the same time, it's like. You guys are smart. Most of these people that are here are college-educated people, ex-military. You know, yeah. the, these yeah. people these people know the difference between right and wrong, so they should get no no special treatment at all. Right? Of, of course not. No, no. You know, speaking of special treatment, so I just happened to be reading this article, and this this kind of this came out last week. Uh, well, a couple of days ago, January fourteenth. So what was it like? Today, Thursday. 
uh, murderer Kyle Rittenhouse drinks beer with Proud Boys. Oh. Did you guys hear about this? Yeah. Did you hear about uh, this? Yeah. So, so apparently Kyle Rittenhouse um, was sitting there. Um, I'm trying to get to the in Kenosha um, in last August for the one from uh, last August, but this was just recently. So he was in a in a filing the probably he was wearing a shirt that said free as fuck while yes, flashing the white power sign and posing for pictures with proud boys and supporters this was last week he was doing this yeah. um and the article kind of goes on to say you know regardless of what you think if, that if he murdered uh the two guys or not out of self-defense you cannot deny that purposely traveling to another state with assault weapons just to interfere at a protest makes him guilty of intent. Even if it weren't self-defense, any normal person would have to live with the fact that they killed two people and exit some form of remorse. Instead, this dude's sitting in a bar, which by the way, in Kenosha, you can go to a bar legally if you're there with one of your parents, if you're under 21. So if you're over 18, you can go in with one of your parents. So his mom was with him. She must be so proud. So mama was there with him and he's sitting there taking pictures, uh, wearing this free as fuck t-shirt and flashing this white power sign. But, you know, and the reason why I'm kind of talking about this is one, besides the fact that it was, it's absolutely disgusting to say the least. He, they're actually change.org is doing a petition. They're trying to get this, the, to have Proud Boys listed as a terrorist activity group. Yeah. And this is something that, and they are, the things that they do, the, the fact that what they exhibited on January 6th, that was something that they, they absolutely were a big part of, needs to be put on as a, and it, to me, it, it kind of blows my mind that, that Proud Boys is, oh no, there are just, there's some good people there, you know, you know, I love you. And, you know, just, just go ahead and stand, stand down, stand by. But you know, they're okay, but Black Lives Matter movement is, they're trying to say they're terrorists. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. I, I, maybe I kind of, I'm not educated enough on this, but I haven't seen any time where the actual Black Lives Matter movement has gone to create uh, a riots and destruction. There have been people that have showed up to their, their peaceful rallies and then it became, um, and that was based on a inhumane treatment that was a humanitarian thing that they were protesting they're not protesting democracy like proud boys are like how are you protesting democracies you know trying to overthrow the government and now you're upset that you're getting arrested our world does not make any sense anymore i i always thought it was funny that that um they're they're calling the left uh commies when the, the, the Cheeto in charge is like best friends with the head commie. Yeah, it's just a buzzword. There's no content. They don't really know. It's a buzzword to get them. Yeah. Like It's kind of like yeah. when Trump holds up a Bible. You know, it's like, what yeah. rational person down. that's a Christian? Yeah, yeah what, that what was rational just, thinking Christian thinks this guy is okay? That was just an Instagram photo, right? <laughs> Thanks for tuning into another episode of it's Not About You with Jamal and Marianne. Be sure to check them out on Facebook at Not About You Pod. That's N O T A B O U T, the letter U P O D.